Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Tactical Yanks podcast, your podcast for soccer in America and around the world. I'm your co-host, Pete Douthit, and I am joined by my fellow co-host, Filippo Silva, and welcome to the Tactical Yanks podcast. Hopefully you enjoy. We'll be talking about U.S. soccer, European soccer, South American soccer, the World Cup, and much more. And we're back for episode 31 of the Tactical Yanks podcast. I'm your co-host, Pete Douthit, here with the other co-host, Filippo Silva. How you doing, man? Doing great here. Doing great. We're reaching the end of the World Cup previews. We've done group A, B, C, D. And since we know the alphabet, we're going to group E right now. We're almost done with it. We're going to finish it right in time because we're doing once a week. Yeah, we are three weeks away from the World Cup kicking off, guys. And if you're not excited yet... Now's the time to get excited because blink and it'll be upon us. And for all the problems that this World Cup has that we all know about, and for all the problems that we, the United States, have, the World Cup is still the World Cup and it's still an exciting tournament that we only get once every four years, at least until FIFA has their way. Um, so get excited. I mean, it's still the penultimate, the most popular sporting event in the world, and it's not particularly close. So if you love soccer, no matter where it's hosted or who's there or what our chances are of doing well, the World Cup is always fun because it's the best of every country coming together to not only celebrate the beautiful game, but fight for supremacy. And I just can't wait, Tech. Now, imagine how fun it also be just watch Qatar get wrecked by Ecuador, then Senegal, then Netherlands. So there are interesting stories to look at. There is Brazil possibly or not Brazil, South American nation possibly rising and winning the trophy once again. The U.S.'s um, best generation so far comes in for their first World Cup. Uh, Mexico L3 is finished. Uh, Qatar, hopefully, you know, just getting wrecked in the group state. There's a lot of interesting stories in this World Cup. But most importantly, it is the last World Cup of the two greatest players of this generation, right, that had a mar- left a mark on this generation, uh, being so dominant at the club level and with some good performances as well at the, the national international level. And that is the last World Cup of Messi and Modric. You thought I was oh, going to say... Oh, I thought you were going <laughs> to say Harry Kane and Calvin Phillips. No, no, I'm joking. Not Modric. I was going to say Messi and Ronaldo, even though it's the last World Cup of Modric. So look, yep. look at this. Before we even start this preview of Group E, which has Japan, Germany, Spain, and Costa Rica, um, it's the last World Cup, and correct me if I'm wrong, or, or add players to me, okay, if you remember yeah. any. Yeah. Last World Cup of Messi, Ronaldo, Modric, Neuer, Thomas Müller, um, Benzema. Suarez, Benzema, Cavani, possibly Neymar, because Neymar sort of said it could be his last one. Yeah. Uh, who else? And the greatest American of all time, Aaron Long. Last of Aaron Long. Uh <laughs> I'm amazed that it's even his first. Uh, um, yeah. yeah. Lewandowski. It's, uh, Lewandowski, actually, maybe. That one went on 100% play. sure. Yeah, he could play because of Poland is just not that great. And he, he'll probably find it at age 36. It could uh, also be the last World Cup of Hugo Lloris. Hugo Lloris. Uh, Thiago Silva also uh, is, is the last World Cup. I'm trying to remember any other player. I think those are the main legends, I would, I would yeah, say. Yeah, there are others, but I wouldn't put them in the same category, like Memphis Depay, for example. Not Di sure. Maria. Di Maria. Oh, yeah, Di Maria, of course. Di Maria, yeah, Di yeah. Maria. That's, a, that's a big one. I'm trying to think if there's anybody, like legend status, not really. I don't really look at anybody and think, oh, maybe Pepe on Portugal. Cavani, Cavani. <laughs> Cavani, 
Yeah, yeah definitely Cavani. Cavani's a good one too. Uh, those are all that I remember. And then I don't know, maybe maybe our viewers can help us, but we're going to find out more. Um, unfortunately, there's no Italy in the World Cup. I think it's the downside. No Erling Haaland to score three goals a game. Yeah, yeah. But why Why don't we get to this group here? This is an interesting group to me because I think when you look into a World Cup group uh, based on history and even on names that the teams have, you look at Germany and Spain in the same group and then you just say, well, Japan and Costa Rica are screwed. But we were talking about this before the podcast. They might not be. I think this is a group that an upset can be very likely. Of, it's I, possible. It's possible. It's not. It's not. I don't know if I would say it's likely, but it's possible. No, no. The upset is likely. What I mean, it's like it could happen. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. Likely makes it seem like it's not even an upset. They're the favorites. Uh, there's issues with Germany. There's a lot of issues with Spain. Japan is an interesting national team that we kind of learned that the hard way. And, yeah. And Costa Rica, we know Los Ticos. They're always a problem. And Killer Navas will be there. But why, why don't we start with Germany, which I think we can both agree it's. The strongest team in this group right now. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I mean, Germany are coming off failure, right? Failure in the Euros two years ago uh, and, you know, losing to England and then failure in the uh, the last World Cup in 2018, getting knocked out in the first round. They've got a new coach. They've added a lot of new pieces to this team. Um, you know, Yogi Lowe was already trying to move on from the generation that won the 2014 World Cup. But I think it's fair to say that outside of a few players, this German team has been regenerated and it's very good to see. Um, I'm excited. I'm going to be covering Germany, as you know, guys, uh, that'd be my second team at the world cup. Let's talk about them. Obviously the coach Hansi Flick, a lot of people know, uh, formerly of Bayern Munich has got this German team playing very well. They didn't have the best nations league campaign and there are still weaknesses in this German team. That they're going to have to solve if they want to challenge for a world cup. But in terms of, huh? Better than England. Better than England, for sure. A lot of talent, and they have a good mix of youth and experience. I think that's what I like about this German team. You still have veterans like Thomas Mueller, uh, Manuel Neuer, guys like that are still there. Um, and then you have guys who are experienced enough, but still young enough to play in the next World Cup, whether it's Kai Havertz or Timo Werner. Uh, even Joshua Kimmich is a very experienced player as well. And then you have some very exciting young talents like, you know, Jamal Musiala and, uh, you know, Leroy San is not young, young, but he's, you know, he's going to be a real threat. Uh, you know, Karim Adeyemi, if he ends up going, Mukoko has an outside chance of going. We'll see if he ends up on this roster. But, I mean, Antonio Rudiger at the back line, we'll talk about key players for Germany. They typically play a 4-2-3-1, sometimes a 3-4-2-1. And, and here's the thing. Right before this last Nations League round, there were rumors that Hansi Flick wanted to use Jamal Musiala as a 10. And he did, in fact, use him in one of the games in the Nations League as a pure 10. I can't see him either benching or shunting Thomas Mueller wide for Jamal Musiala. But if he wants an attack, him in a central attacking area, they could use the 3-4-2-1 with Musiala and Mueller right behind a guy like Havertz. You know, and then just have you know Kimmich and Gundawan in midfield uh, with the wingbacks pushing up, whether that's David Rahm or Heinrichs or Tilo Kerrer, guys like that. And then obviously you've got the three-man back line, which will very likely be Rudiger, Schlotterbeck, and Schuler. And then of course Manuel Neuer in goal. 
But outside of that, off the bench, if you go with that lineup, you've still got Timo Werner, Leroy Sané, Serge Gnabry, Karim Adeyemi, guys like that who can come on and offer attacking impetus for this German team. I also think that... I don't know if you agree with this, but the fact that all their players play in the same league, and I'm not saying we have to bring a bunch of MLS players to to our team, but a lot of their players play in the Bundesliga. So the players having familiarity with each other, the yeah. coach knowing them well, all of that can help. Plus, I do think Germans are they have a lot of pride, and they're definitely taking the last World Cup personally. And yeah. I expect a bounce back from them this World Cup. Yeah, same. Yeah, I, I believe so. I mean, I think... If you look at that team, there's a lot of talent. I'm still a little worried about the defense. Both Schiller and Schlotterbeck can be wildly inconsistent. Is um, it me or Schiller is a little heavy, slow? Yeah, Sh- so is Schlotterbeck, to be honest. Better than Schiller, but Schiller is like slower. Yeah, he almost looks Weston McKennie-esque at times, you know? You're yeah. like, it doesn't look like an athlete. And maybe that's just his body type. To be fair, I mean, he hasn't been that good for Dortmund this year, to be honest. But nobody has been good for Dortmund in the back line. They've been very leaky. Uh, Matt um, Humos. Wait, Matt Humos, though. Let's talk about him because the games I watched from Dortmund, he looked good, um, at least this season. The ones I watched, Matt Humos. No, yeah. but that's the problem with Matt Humos. He'll be really good in one game and terrible in the next. And he he won't be in this roster. And he's slow. Yeah, he's very slow still. He has brain farts on a regular basis. He'll be really good for a full game and then do something stupid. Uh, so, I mean, yeah. Matt Homos is, what, 34 now? He's not. I doubt very much he's going to be in this roster. Yeah, he was um, in 2014. Yeah, he was there 2014. He was part of that team. I mean, we're talking about eight years later, right? The fact that Thomas Mueller and Manuel Neuer and Joshua Kimmich are all here is quite incredible, actually, that they're still playing for this team. Who's but, your key player for Germany? Who is like your most valuable player? The one that you think that that would really hurt them if he's not there the most? I think Rudiger. And I know it sounds weird because they have so much attacking talent, but because they have Schuler and Schlotterbeck, they need Rudiger. Uh, they need Rudiger to be at his best. And that's kind of why I think it's important. Obviously, Mueller is a big one. His experience, his ability. But for me, and this kind of goes under the radar for some people, it's Gundogan. I think that Germany's problems often come in the build-out when Gundogan is not playing. Gundogan makes them tick. He transitions the ball very smoothly from uh, you know, defense to attack. And when he's sitting next to Joshua Kimmich, which is why if they play 4-2-3-1, you're talking about Rudiger next to maybe Schlotter, Schlotterbeck. I don't know about Schuler. Um, and that might actually help them because it allows them to play a double pivot behind Mueller. And then you know you could have... Sane and Musiala, either side of Mueller, which for me, that's what I would do. And then Havertz up front, maybe Werner, they can alternate. Uh, or alternately, you could play Werner on the left of the 4-2-3-1 and then uh, a guy like, you know, Musiala on the right. Um, but again, you know, look at the options coming off the bench, the attacking options, Serge Gnabry, uh, Karim Adeyemi, Timo Werner, if he doesn't start, there's a lot there that they can work with. I think... To me, one key player to them is Jamal Muziala a little bit to a certain extent. Bring something different to that midfield, right? Yeah. More of a uh, – Germans don't really play the way Muziala does at the 10, right? You look at, like, for example, Thomas Müller. He's a different type of 10. But Jamal Muziala is actually a creative player down the midfield right there. Has the dribbling ability, right? So you look at a player like 
Sane and Gnabry. They do have the dribbling yeah. ability to beat their opponent off the dribble, but it's more about pace and power, right? That's what they yeah. need to get through. Muziala's skills. He's not the fastest. He's not the strongest, right? He's even a little skinny. He looks a little small at times, but yeah. he's able to like slick through the defenders. Such a creative player that Germany he's has. Unpredictable. That- Right, yes. like you don't know what he's gonna do. Like Mueller has a lot of structure to his game. He's very good, but it's very structured. He makes the right decision on a regular basis. Whereas Musiala is unpredictable and dynamic, and he'll just pull something out of his pocket that you're like, "What was that?" But it works, you know. And I think this is gonna be a breakout tournament for Musiala. Probably, I think he's a contender for young player of the tournament. Probably one of the biggest losses England has ever had. Yeah, if not the biggest one, maybe this is a world class player that they like, a legitimate one that they they could honestly completely off topic, but England could use him at the ten. Yeah, um, Muziala. It's crazy that they lost him out of all duo nationals. Definitely not Yunus Musa, the biggest one they've lost. Jamal Muziala would be a bigger one. But Pete, the other team in this group, we're not going to go to Spain quite yet. I want to talk about Japan. Yeah, because this is an intriguing national team. In the last World Cup, Japan managed to get out of their group. Now, to be fair, it wasn't it wasn't an easy group, but it wasn't the toughest group. Their group didn't have any title contender. I think that's the best way to put it. They were placed in a group of Colombia, Senegal, and Poland. They defeated Colombia. They tied Senegal, and they lost to Poland, and they advanced in second place, and they faced Belgium. And then they were knocked down the round of 16 by Belgium, 3-2, and Belgium scored at the 94th minute. Regardless, Japan is out. Now, with that said, uh, my question for this specific World Cup is, do you think they can get... They're in a tougher group, right? They're in a tougher group now. They have two... Would you call Spain a title contender? I would not call them a title contender necessarily because I don't think they're going to win it. But I would put them in the top eight um, in the sense that of the quote-unquote title contenders, they're the, the weakest after England, in my opinion. So Germany, England would be the weakest of the top eight, and then Spain would be the second weakest. In fact, their coach came out and admitted that Portugal has better players than they do, which is not something you'd ever hear from a Spanish coach in the past. You know, before true. they played Portugal in the Nations League, he said, look, we're, we're the underdog here. Portugal has better players than us. And that's true. He's right. If you look at the teams... He is right. Spain has real problems, but we're here to talk about Japan. Yeah, and and my point to that was this group that they have now, it looks like it's a bit tougher for Japan. But at the same time, it does look like they could pull through, right? It does look like Japan could upset. And I'm not talking about that because of the U.S. friendly. It's more about the issues that Spain has, which we're going to talk about very soon. Um the uncertainties with Germany and the fact that Costa Rica is not, they're past their prime. They're still a team that will bother, but they're past their prime. While Japan has great players at that are in their prime, they're well coached and they have experience with that along with world cup experience from many players, along with a very talented generation. The players are very slick on the ball, very good on the ball, very technical team. So this Japan team, what can we update our viewers on them? I mean, they know a little bit, yeah, well, let's talk a little bit just about their talent. Uh, the key players to, you know, Maya Yoshida, very experienced center back, used to play for Southampton, now plays for Schalke, but still very important to this team, a leader. Daichi Kamada, the, the 10 for Frankfurt, is an amazing player for them. Very creative, very technical. Wataru Endo, the six for Stuttgart, 
Mm-hmm. Stuttgart hasn't had the best season, but he's still a very good player. Koaru Mitoma from Brighton is somebody to be worried about. Takefusa Kubo, who now plays for Sociedad, always dangerous. Minamino, everybody knows from his Liverpool days, now playing for uh, Monaco. And then Takehiro Tomiyasu, the fullback from Arsenal. Those are the six or seven players to be worried about. And we haven't even touched the three, uh, the three Celtic boys. So I don't know if all three of them will be there, but that's just to give you an idea of the talent that Japan has. You know, it's not world-class talent, but a lot of elite players playing together who have played together for a long time. There are, they're beneficiaries of the last 20 years where Japan 20, 30 years ago, put all their emphasis and focus into player development, technical development from a young age. And the result is what they have now, a very technical team that's very cohesive. They play very well together. You know, it, it looks like a team that is greater than the sum of its parts. And the U.S. witnessed that firsthand in a 2-0 defeat that actually could have been a lot worse had it not been for Matt Turner. So yeah. they don't have any World Cup talent. I mean, any, uh, sorry, world-class talent. I don't think they're a contender to win it. And they might even get knocked out in the first round because of Germany and Spain. But uh, I think there's a chance they could actually qualify ahead of Spain. Out of I, think, I think that chance is reasonable. And I know you're going to talk about a bit more when we address Spain's issues, which it's quite a bit, right? At, at one yeah. point, I thought, even though Spain in 2022 their record overall is better than Germany because Germany has just been drawing a bunch of games. Spain did win most of their games, right? Spain had eight games in 2022. They won five, they tied two, and they lost only one um, under Luis Enrique. But we'll talk about Spain in a second here. About Japan, too, the Celtic boys that you mentioned, uh, Furuhasi has been doing great in the Scottish Premiership, the center forward, right? Yeah. So, And I understand that the Scottish Premiership, the level is not that great at all, but – yeah. For perspective, Celtic were the better bunch of the, the Scottish teams in the Champions League. They didn't look that bad, right? Yeah. Like Rangers, when they were in the, the Champions League now in the group stage, they literally looked like they didn't belong. They shouldn't yeah. be there. Yeah. But Celtic, they were in a tough group, and they put up a fight every game. They weren't easy to beat. So this is not a bad team at all. Then you mentioned many of them. One player that you didn't mention I want to give a shout-out to is Ritsu Doan from Freiburg. He's a very good winger, too. Yes. Yes. Uh, he's usually a backup for Japan, but that kind of shows how much depth Japan has. Uh, yeah. the, the one thing they have, we talked about this in the episode with Argentina, is the drop-off for their bench and starters. There's a drop-off, of course, like any team, but it's not that big. So they have options. If someone's having a bad day, they'll put another guy about the same level. Maybe he's in a good day. So yeah. that is something to talk about with Japan as well. And I wanted to mention the goalkeeper. Um, I don't know who their starting goalkeeper will be in the World Cup. But in the friendlies, Daniel Schmidt, that's a Japanese-American goalkeeper, he was their man at the match on their match against – who was it again? Um, I forgot who they played, Japan. Uh, Japan faced – it was their second friendly. After they faced the United States, Japan faced – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you in a second. I'm going to remember this. Ecuador. They faced Ecuador, Ecuador, and they played their B team. They played their reserves. Uh, It was a 0-0 draw, and Daniel Schmidt got a PK, had a fantastic performance. He started. So maybe the Japanese-American goalkeeper will be a starter for the World Cup. They are saying there were a lot of fans, Japanese fans, that I follow in media that were asking for it. So that's something to follow along, too. But I think you mentioned pretty much every single player possible. Um, You mentioned Tomiyasu, too, from Arsenal, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Even though he's not playing much for Arsenal, he's still a quality fullback. And sometimes he plays as center back for them sometimes, right? He can play center back, right back, or left back even. Versatile too. It's yeah. a good team. And uh, I'm interested also to see what the future holds for Kubo, right? Uh, he's been hyped for a while. He was, you know, with Real Madrid at one point. Uh, that was a little bit. Of, sorry, Kubo was with Real Madrid. Am I wrong with that? No, that's right. Yeah, Takafusa Kubo. Yeah, he was at one point, but then he, they kept loaning him out. And then last season, he finally got a lot of games for Mallorca, but they had a terrible season. This year, he's playing a bit more for Real Sociedad, which are a better team, and he's getting better stats. So interesting player to watch out for. Not necessarily a starter for them, actually mostly off the bench. But again, we're talking about their depth and how yeah. they're able to just pull someone off the bench. It's about the same level or close enough to the one starting. But before we go to Spain, before we get to Spain, a quick word from our sponsor, DraftKings. Now, NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back, so tip-off season with DraftKings. Sportsbook is back as well, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA Moneyline bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. So download now DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the promo code TBPN. That is TBPN. Make any $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only in DraftKings Sportsbook with the code TBPN. And you'll be helping the podcast in the process. Now, talking about NBA, I don't know if you guys that are listening to this podcast even watch it. I've been playing NBA Fantasy again this season and kind of pissed off that I drafted Ben Simmons. <laughs> Uh, you I probably wish I knew what you were talking about, but I do not. Well, pay he was like a guy that before last season that he didn't play at all. He would like stuff the stat sheet, get a bunch of stats. And then he didn't play last season for a bunch of reasons. I, it was partially injury. And then he just like wanted to leave his club. He was playing in Mbappe, essentially. And, and then he's back after a year of not playing. And he's just sucking completely. And I drafted him sort of my mistake. But anyhow, let's talk about Spain. This is not a basketball podcast. Who cares? Spain. Yeah, so Spain is tough, man. Spain, you know, people think of Spain. I think for a lot of casuals especially, when they think about Spain, they think about that 2010, 2012, 2008 team that won three trophies in the space of four years, you know, uh, one World Cup and two Euros. That Spain team has been gutted since then, and a lot of people know that, but it's been gutted to such a point that they're still relying on a guy like Sergio Busquets to carry them in many ways. <laughs> um, there's, you know, their center back pairing is probably a big, one of their biggest issues right now is their two center backs. Um, and they still have Alvaro Morata playing up top as their striker, which could be a problem. And they do have other good players who have come through and taken over, but they're, some of them are not that good. I mean, just to give you an idea, Ferran Torres is probably a starter for them. On the on the right, you know, one of the worst signings Barcelona has ever made. He, he wasn't ever made. even ever that good for Man City. Well, that's why Man City let him go to a certain extent. <laughs> yeah, it's like, but but yeah, he starts. You know, Danny Almo can be a good player, but again, if you just compared to the past teams, the Spain team looks very weak. Do they start top. Aspiliqueta? Uh, it will be between Carvajal and Aspilicueta. Which, well, Carvajal probably is better at this point. But you look at this team, the Spanish team. So David De Gea was not in the prelim preliminary roster. He won't be there. Their goalkeeper will be Robert Sanchez, probably from Brighton, um, or Unai Simon, right? From Athletic. You Could said Simon. Simon will probably start the Athletic Bilbao goalkeeper. 
Now, the center backs that you talked about, they're, they, Paul Torres from Villarreal, at least from what I watched last season in the Champions League, I haven't watched Villarreal this season. I can't lie to you guys about that, but he was very good in the Champions League last season. So yeah. that should be fine. But then you look at the other options. Sure, like Eric Garcia is a strong brand name because he plays for Barcelona, but he's not a reliable center back. PK, no. PK is horrible nowadays. He is horrendous nowadays. We saw that in the Champions League with Barcelona. He can't, man. Like he's essentially Spain's Aaron Long at this point. Um, and I think he's not dealing well with the Shakira breakup, maybe. Or he is. Who cares? Uh, who else? Llorente from Leeds is called up. Llorente will probably be in the roster, yeah. And he's horrible. He's not even a starter for Leeds, for one of the, you know, almost a relegation team in the Premier League. Because that of their defense. show you the level of Because the of their defense. Team. That is also Leeds' weakness. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's Carlos Soler, who could be a very interesting player, but I don't know if he's going to start for them. Uh, Paulo Sarabia is a very interesting, again, a good player, but not somebody that you're like, he can win games on his own. Right, Rodri's probably going to play with Busquets in a double pivot, and then it'll be one of Gavi, Pedri, Soler, Coque. Those are their options. All good. I mean, Pedri and Gavi are, are good young players, but you can't ask them to carry the Spanish team. Yeah, I think like looking into Spain, because these teams of this level, like a Spanish national team, you want to point out who are the world-class players that they have. Yeah. Um, goalkeeper aside, uh, because I think goalkeeper is a position that has evolved so much that has reached a point where Sometimes the drop-off of an elite and world-class goalkeeper is not even noticeable. The level, yeah. it, they become, they've become so reliable. But world-class in this team. I think Rodri is a world-class midfielder. I think sure. Can put. sure. Um, Pedri, I think he is. Or he can be at times. He's still very young. Um, yeah, he's very young. But, I mean, just one young player of the year. And Pete, I think that's it. Yeah. <laughs> I think this, this team is filled with elite players. Don't get me wrong, you know. Gaa, Soler, Coque, Torres, Morata, Olmo, Sarabia. They're all good players. Or Jordi Alba is a good player. He's a good left back, you know. Uh, even as Piliqueta and Carvajal, they're good players. Are they world-class? I don't, I don't think I would put any of them in a world-class category. No, just Rodri. And Eric Garcia is their Aaron Long and England's Harry Maguire. Like the fans do not want Eric Garcia anywhere on the field, but the coach loves him. So he's probably going to start with Pau Torres. Yeah, I think one thing we can talk about is maybe with Spain. We talked about the issues here. Like the, so pretty much, not going to lie to you, they sort of have the problems. Well, Leeds is a worse team than Spain, but it's sort of like similar issues in terms of uh, personnel, right? They don't have a center forward that can put the ball in the back of the net. They don't have that. And they have a shaky back line. But they have yeah. a good midfield. They have good midfielders. Good yes. options. Yeah. Um, uh, even though I don't know how much I trust Sergio Busquets at this point of his career. Um, he still can provide something. Rodri, we know the quality of Rodri. Pedri is there. But I do want to... Why don't we talk about one player that... I don't know why I didn't see him in the roster before, but I, I sort of mentioned to you, um, Nico Williams, which from Atletico Bilbao, because he's not talked about very much. And I've seen him here and there in La Liga, especially this season that he's really breaking out. Interesting player that probably will leave Atletico Bilbao at some point a winger for, for Spain. I don't know if he'll get minutes, but I think he'll be in the roster. It's a player just for people to watch out because I know many haven't heard of him. Um, Nico Williams from Athletic Bilbao. Aside from that... The question think, is if Luis Enrique rates him. I don't know if Luis Enrique actually is going to play him that much. 
That is true. Also, he might just go with experience. Bring in a uh, PK. Bring in PK. Bring yeah, in he's PK. got his guys. He loves like he loves Ferran Torres. Ferran Torres is probably going to start all three games next to Morata on the right, and then it's between Almo, maybe Pedri um, on the left hand side, maybe Soler, but he doesn't typically play Soler wide. So I just look at that front line, and I'm like, that doesn't scare me, you know. Yeah, I, the reason I mentioned Nico Williams is because he played the last two games for Spain in Nations League, right? He came off the bench. Yeah. And against Portugal, the game you mentioned that earlier in the podcast that uh, he even said that Portugal had more talent, Nico Williams came off the bench and in 15 minutes. He got the assist for that game yeah. um, to get them to win. Could be an impact, but I think he might bring him. But again, um, this Spanish side, they, they played well in the Euros, to be honest, in 2021, even though they lost. Uh, but I thought they played well. They looked good. And honestly, usually Spain always looks good. They play well, right? They're yeah. technical always. And, and like we mentioned, we only were able to point out two world-class players, but almost every single player in this team is elite level. Almost yes. every single yes. one, if not all of them. So if he gets the tactics right and they're in form, this is a team that can bother anyone. But I think it's more or less what you were saying before we even started the podcast. This Spanish team could get knocked out by Japan in the group stage. Costa Rica could cause problems to them with their physicality. And if they go through, Sp the Spanish team sort of looks like they they will just get knocked out by the first World Cup, real World Cup contender, like a top four team, like an Argentina, Brazil, France. Um, perhaps a Germany, but they're not going to face Germany till the final if they go through the group. Anything else on Spain or do you want to go to Costa Rica? Well, let me just put it this way. If I had $1,000 and I had to bet on does Spain or Japan make it out of the group alongside Germany, I would still put it on Spain. But it would be about 60-40. Like I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that Spain and Germany are getting out of this group. I think, and we'll talk about Costa Rica. Costa Rica is going to bunker they're a very physical team, very hard to break down, and they have some young talent on that team. So I don't think Costa Rica is going to win many, if any, games, but I think they could frustrate a team like Spain, uh, and then not to even mention Japan. So I still think Spain will go through, but it's close. It's very close. It would not surprise me if they get knocked out in the first round. So one question. you, From what I understood, you believe that if one team is going to knock out Spain, it'll, it might be Japan, and I agree with that. But you almost sounded like you think if one team is going to cause more trouble to Spain in a one-on-one -on -one game, it could be Costa Rica? Yes, because Japan will play more expansive. Japan will actually attack Spain. So the thing about this Costa Rica team is that they're going to play 4-5-1. And they are going to defend for their lives. They're going to be very physical. They're basically going to conquer calf the World Cup. And they're going to do what they did to New Zealand, where they won 1-0 while New Zealand had most of the ball and most of the chances. Jewison Bennett and... Uh, Joel Campbell combined for that winning goal. That's what they're going to do at this World Cup. And I don't think they have enough quality to get out of the group, but they have enough quality to frustrate teams at times. And if you don't score early against Costa Rica, it's going to be harder and harder as the game goes on because you're going to be under more and more pressure. They're going to back those lines up even more. They're going to squeeze space. And look, they do have young players like Ugalde or Bennett or Aguilera, who can be a threat on the counter. Even Joel Campbell in the, is good in the air. Long throw-ins, set pieces, Joel Campbell could be a threat. Um, but this Costa Rica team is trapped. Not trapped, but they're in a transition phase. A lot of these guys were there from 
you know, the, from the 2014 World Cup, Keylor Navas, Francisco Calvo, Calvo, Oscar Duarte, Celso Borges, you know, Johan Venegas. Those guys are there, are very experienced, but they're a lot older and they're not quite at the same level they used to be. But then they have these young guys, Ugalde, Contreras, you know, Bennett, Aguilera, who are coming through, who could actually make Costa Rica quite interesting in the Gold Cup in 2023. I would actually put Costa Rica as a semifinalist in that Gold Cup. Um, because of their young, and there's more it, coming out of the Costa Rican league. Luis Fernando Suarez has started to inject some of these young players. So there's more coming out of that Costa Rican league. And I think Costa Rica could be a very interesting CONCACAF opponent again. They used to be a big three almost. It was like USA, Mexico, Costa Rica, almost always qualified for World Cups. Recently, their generation has faded, but there's young players coming through. And I think that could make Costa Rica quite interesting in CONCACAF for the next few years. But for this World Cup, I'd say one point to three points is their absolute max. Yeah, I can see them pulling maybe two draws. I understand yeah. like what you're saying is pretty much they're not going to win a game. They'll get three draws or two draws or or maybe I, I, they I could honestly, win again. It's the World Cup. Anything can happen, right? You know, some stupid tackle by Eric Garcia on Joel Campbell, and now they've got a penalty. They score the PK penalty. plays. If PK plays, they can actually get a goal. Yeah, or yeah, or even a set piece, you know, a long throw, a corner, a foul on Jewison Bennett on the left-hand side. They knock it in, you know, what's his name? Uh, Calvo, Duarte, Campbell, all those guys are very good in the air. So, yeah, they could, but I think it's unlikely. I think this coast, because remember, New Zealand made them look very poor. New Zealand. And, and like, New Zealand never goes to the World Cup. Well, they do. They went in 2010. But like in other words, if New Zealand outplays you from beginning to end and you have to desperately defend for your lives, I think most teams in this group have the quality to break down Costa Rica, even if they are bunkering. That's the, that's the truth. Um, but it's the World Cup. Anything can happen on, in a one-off game, right? So it'll be interesting to see what Costa Rica does in this World Cup, but I have them finishing bottom of this group. That's why it's called World Cup and not League. Right when it's yeah. a cup, you get unpredictable results. Like, if I'm not mistaken, just go to Germany. You go to the Bundesliga. Bayern has won. Um, they have won what the past ten? I, I think it's nine. And I'm pretty sure they have lost the past two or three DFB Pokals. Yeah. So I can check here. Bayern actually, yep, they have lost the past two DFB Pokals. So it was Dortmund and Leipzig, wasn't it? Yep, and Bayern didn't even make the final. So it's a cup. When it's a cup, crazy things can happen. And this is a World Cup, not a World League. If it was a league, it would be a lot easier to pick who was going to win. You would just yeah. it, it would essentially be probably if it's a long league nowadays, it probably would have been Brazil or France. They're way ahead in terms of depth, and they would probably lead up to that. And we even saw that in World Cup qualifying, Brazil and Argentina. It, it's yeah. a long one. It's 18 games. So Brazil finished seven points ahead of Argentina. But if they play in a one-leg match... Argentina can knock out Brazil easily. So yeah. that's pretty much what we're trying to say here is in this World Cup, in any World Cup, anything can happen. Any final thoughts yeah. before we close this preview of Group E? No, that's it. I mean, our my prediction is still Germany and Spain with a nod to Japan. That's my prediction. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, guys, thanks for listening. Uh, we are three weeks out, like I said. Share this podcast with somebody. Give us a review. Uh, give us a rating wherever you listen to your podcast so that other people can find it. We will try to keep this podcast going during the World Cup. Um, we just have to try and find the time because we're going to be very busy on YouTube during the World Cup. So 
two, three more. Yeah, three more previews in the next three weeks, and I just can't wait. Mm-hmm. We'll try. We'll try to get an episode or two or three or four or five during the World Cup. I just said that because I don't know how many we're going to be able to. But yeah, we'll see. No promises. We'll see. But you guys will find us on you. You'll all be tired of us on YouTube anyway. So yeah, I don't think any be. of you, any of you <laughs> care. Any of you care? But no, we'll, we'll the podcast will happen during it because I know some of you do prefer to listen to a podcast instead of having the video. Um, but you know, in the meantime, that's all. Make sure to drop a review on the podcast. And if you haven't, go check our other previews that we did for group A, B, C, D. Next week, we're going to group F. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. Enjoy the rest of your week.